Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes Podcast. I am your host, Joey DiMeglio, and the Rangers' search for a new head coach continues with rumors of Peter LaViolette and John Hines surfacing this week. Joining me to talk about it all is Will Cohen, uh, who recently started a podcast of his own, the Blue Shirt Blueprint Podcast. Will, thanks for joining. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Um, I'm excited to talk about this, uh, these uh, LaViolette-Hines rumors. Uh, it's not fun if you're a Rangers fan. Uh, Heinz, definitely not. That's uh, that's a bit crazy, I would say. Uh, he just got fired, and you know the Rangers kind of wanted to. It seemed like they wanted to go after a guy who's won Stanley Cups before. That's why they looked at Joel Quenville. That's why there was the rumors about that, and then you know maybe Daryl Sutter, Mike Babcock, even, and Peter Laviolette. But John Heinz, how does that fit into the equation? You know? Oh yeah, that's. Uh, Rangers Twitter did not go over well with that. That was, um, yeah, they, they, I, 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 I don't know what they're even doing. Even interviewing Hines, uh, he never made it out of the first round one. If, and, you know, obviously James Dolan wants to win a cup. That's kind of why he wants that experience because, you know, this team, they think it's in a win now mode. I don't know if I would go that far after what happened last year with all the talent on the roster, but Really, you're gonna want you're gonna go after John Hines, who has not won a single round in the playoffs to win you a Stanley Cup. Yeah. The, I mean, if we get right into it, I could. Why? Why is Hines being rumored? I it never. I was gonna say, yeah, it never made it past round one of the playoffs. Is it just because Drury is comfortable with him, like because he was teammates with him in college in the '90s? Does Drury want someone that? maybe agrees with how he wants the lineup to be constructed for every game. Remember the the reports of Gallant and Drury getting into it during the playoffs after game four? You know, I, like, I was actually at that game, too, and it was I – was, I wasn't actually shocked when that came out after that game. Um, you know, like you said, I think a lot I'm, – I'm sorry for interrupting you as well. Um, Go ahead. I think – I think – and I, I mean, I've kind of just heard this on Twitter, like from some people. I don't know if it's like actually true or not, but I think, like you said, I think Drury wants that that yes man, that will just like like that kind of that, that puppet that will do what he says. And it's kind of like Aaron Boone with the Yankees, like he's kind of like that yes man for Brian Cashman. Like, I I think Drury's comfortable with Hines, and I think that's why you know he he's getting that interview because it it seems like, you know, Lavoillette was a surefire hire for the Rangers this week. I mean, Elliot Freeman was saying stuff about that. I know Vince was saying some stuff about that. Multiple, multiple reports came out that, you know, Lavoillette was the leader and, and then Heinz comes along and it's like, okay, why are you even like going to entertain that? But I think, like you said, I think it's because he's a, he would be a yes man for Drury, and that's he's comfortable with him, and he knows him. Yeah, I was you. You stole the words for me, puppet. I don't like, I don't really want to use that term, but maybe that's what it is. You know, 
And Drury is already president and GM. So he can't possibly be the head coach as well. Right? It's no. way too much. Way too much. You know? But if Drury does have a good idea of how he wants his roster constructed, I think he favor I think he would definitely favor Lafreniere Kako in the top six over VZ Goudreau. I'm just saying. I think Drury yeah. is that kind of guy. If it really is Glenn Sather calling the shots, then it is gonna be Goudreau in the top six. But you know, we don't know about that. We don't know for for certain if that's that's the case. But if Pines is coming in, maybe he's there to be an assistant, like an yeah. associate to I've heard, somebody else. I've heard stuff like that as well. Like, what if you know they're they want they're going to get Knobloch and they make Hines an assistant coach? Like, because Hines is obviously a defensive first guy. So, what if they make him the the defense's assistant coach or something for Knobloch? Or maybe mm-hmm. he'd be one for Lavalette. That's what I've also heard. I, not from like anyone in particular, just like people on Twitter have been saying that. So like maybe that's the case. The the argument has always been like, can they get a development coach? Like a Knobloch, Jay Leach, Jay Pandolfo. And can do they have the patience to do that? I don't think the Rangers do. I would not be surprised if they go in with a retread next yeah. year. I would and not I- be surprised. And and also, I would not be surprised if in two years we're in the same exact spot. Yeah, I agree. And, and who knows? New York. And I think, you know, obviously, like, this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of on the right track. But I, I don't think they have the patience. And I don't think that's why they're going to, I don't think that's why they are going to, they're going to go. I think that's why they're going to go with a retread head coach. Um, And it's kind of, it's kind of why we're in the situation we're in now, actually. And I talked about this on an episode of, in Blue Shirts Weekly, like when they lost in the first round, that the reason why they're in this spot right now is because Dolan can't see his team lose for more than two years. And that's why they kind of rushed their rebuild. That's kind of why they, they didn't care about developing Kako. They went out and got Panarin, clogged up a spot. Then they then they signed Kreider again, obviously, instead of trading him at the deadline, when his, they could have probably fetched a first-round pick out of him. Which obviously I, I don't want Kreider gone because you know that's he's getting his jersey retired. But it's 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 why they're it's why every it feels like they're always firing a head coach and getting a new one because they can't because Dolan can't accept the fact that if you actually want to win you have to lose for however long, develop your draft picks, and then go from there. Yeah. And I think if they hire a retread in two years, you're going to see them gone. And I think this is going to be Drury's last head coaching hire, and he's going to be walking out the door right with them. Mm-hmm. Losing doesn't pay the bills, though. That's the problem. Exactly. For, for, for James Dolan. And, exactly. you know, I understand it. I understand it. It's a business, and you have to be successful in, in uh, Madison Square Garden. I mean, look at the Knicks. They, it, by any, any means, like they've. That's a successful year for them. Make that exactly. yeah. the second round, and they fire their GM. And they Wait, fire they fired Leon Rose, or they fired somebody. It wasn't the GM, maybe it was. Uh, it was Scott something. I I forget the. the wow, guy. they fired I, somebody. But you know, again, the the thing is, the Knicks and the Rangers can't have successful. They can't. Teams at the yeah, same they time. can't be successful at the same time. That's exactly. what Fitz always says. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has made me see. This, these Heinz rumors, I value LaViolette now. Yeah, I, yeah. 
I don't want Lavalette, but if it comes down to Lavalette and Hines, I'm taking Lavalette 100 right, uh, percent any day over over Hines. Absolutely. It, you know, he he's maybe a retread, right? But if you consider this is this to me is you know my own argument against myself basically because I want a development coach. Like I think it would be great if the Rangers bought into the John Cooper, Jared Bednar, Jay Woodcroft kind of coach, right? You know, you'll be good. You'll, you'll be good. You have great players on the roster. They will figure it out and get you to the playoffs. Yeah. How far you go with that coach in your first year is, you know, up for debate, right? But let me get to my argument here. So I could settle with Laviolette because we can argue that Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kaka are already there yet. They're actual players. And if you need to be given evidence of that look at this past year they all had the best seasons of their career basically 40 plus point scores all of them except for Lafreniere who had 39 yeah and they none of them had power play time no power play time so like they had a handful of points on the power play but most of it came on 5v5 right so they're pulling a fairly good portion of the weight if you just consider 5v5 and that's where most of the game is played at yeah. You no, know? so you I have to have well. those players that could come through at those times. You're not always going to get the power play at, at in especially in the playoffs. Maybe the referees swallow their whistles and they won't call anything. You know, you have to deal with that. You have to be good at every facet of the game. Look at look at Florida, look at Vegas. The teams that, you know, are in small markets, but you know, they have the best teams. Florida, no one no one considered them to have it even a chance against Boston and they're in the final right they did all the good all the things that all the basics they did all the good stuff right they they play dump and chase they're great rush team great 5v5 their defense is there they have everything they check all the boxes same thing with Vegas right so if you consider the kids Lafreniere Hedl Kako in the same realm as the Banajad and Panarin you'd be keeping everything consistent with what you're trying to do, which is get the most out of your players, which is, you know, milk more out of your players. Obviously, this year was an underachieving season for the Rangers. They left a lot to be desired, especially their veteran players in the playoffs. Panarin's advantage ad, they did not bring enough to the table <laughs> if you compare it to last season. So if you consider everybody on the same page, it makes for a, a better course moving forward. And I think Jury is probably more comfortable doing that than fully, solely, so uh, solely focusing on just the kids. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, you look at your your highest paid left winger in the league. That's Panarin, and how many points did he have in the playoffs? Two. So Banajed, you just signed him to you know an eight point five million dollar deal. He has a lackluster playoffs. You know, obviously, obviously, you want you know your kids there, but you want a coach that can also get the most out of Panarin that can get the most out of Zabanajad because Fitz said this. If you really think about it, Zabanajad is kind of like Julius Randle. Good in the regular season, great in the regular season, but come playoff time, they're like, where are they? And I know Zabanajad had, you know, a good playoffs last year. But before that, I mean, can you really say that? You know, he was good in the playoffs. Not really. I mean, he was kind of lackluster. So, like, you want a coach that can, you know, 
push your kids. And I, I, I kind of feel like I've been stressing that a little too much as someone who can push our kids, but it's kind of pushing Panarin as well. Cause like, you know, Panarin is, he needs space to operate. And I think that's why he worked well with David Quinn. Cause David Quinn's system got him that space. And I think Gallant's didn't cause you know, Gallant's East, uh, not yeah. Yeah. East West kind of coach and Panarin. No, Panarin's an East West player. He likes, you know, he likes that space and Gallant was the North South kind of guy who wanted Panarin, you know, focusing on that. What's it called? The, um, the four check and back check. Right. Can't do that with Panarin. So yeah, you need a coach that can push everyone. And if you push everyone, not just the kids, like you said, it'll get the horse rolling and that's it'll, you'll have a more successful team that way. And you'll most likely win a cup that way instead of, you know, just focusing on developing the kids, which I think, as Rangers fans, we kind of we focus on that a little too much because obviously, you know, you don't need to develop Panarin. I, I understand that, obviously, but you still got to push him. You got to push Kreider. You got to push, you know, Trocheck and all those guys as well. All these teams, like I looked at the Stanley Cup teams and the winners, look at Tampa Bay, Colorado, you know, the two teams in the finals this year. They have that one guy who's, you know, great in the regular season. But contrary to what you're saying about Zibanejad being not as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season, they have that guy that is significantly better in the playoffs than they are in yeah. the regular season. Tampa Bay, you know who it is. It's Braden Point. <laughs> when, when San Jose was in the playoffs, it was Logan Couture, right? This year for Florida, it's Matthew freaking Kiffin. Patron. Oh that man. man is on a mission. He is a gamer. That, and with limited cap space, you can't acquire a player like that. The time has is passed for for you to go out and trade for that player unless you're willing to make like Kreider or Truba or one of those guys a sacrificial piece in that trade. So, you have to get one of those guys that's already on your roster to be that guy. It's probably, if there is a candidate, it's most likely going to be someone that's already there. As in, like, I said I said lot, the kids were already there. But I mean, like, at the great regular season level, Panarin or Zibanejad, right? Kreider is the guy. Is You could consider Kreider to be that guy, right, how he started. But if the rest of the team collapses, then what good is collapse. it? Exactly. If he's the only one pulling the weight, him and Shesterkin... You still have however many guys on the team, 11 forwards, 11 other forwards, and six defensemen that need to pull that weight. If they're not doing that, then you're not, you can't expect to get a series victory. You can't expect to get a good result. You need, you need those 16-game players. Like Frank Vitrano, I was re-watching the playoffs from last year. Frank Vitrano was that guy for Zabanjay and Kreider because he would shoot from everywhere. Like, he would just put pucks on net. Cop was like that guy for Panarin. Skilled would go into the corner. Like, those, you need those complementary pieces. And I think that's what makes Matthew Kachuk so well because he's, you know, obviously, you know, he's that great regular season performer, but he's also that complementary guy. But obviously, you're not going to get a Kachuk. But if you can get like a Frank Vitrano who's like one third of that, who just, you know, compliments your players very well that's going to take you a long way and those players are hard to find yeah like Petrano priced himself out cop yeah. priced himself out well actually i shouldn't say that about cop because they preferred 
Trocek over. Yeah. And I don't have anything against Trocek. I think he's a great yeah. player. I think Trocek's a great player, right? This is he's a player the Rangers need. Same thing with Barkley Goodrow. They need got they need more guys like that. Absolutely. They need four checkers. The problem is like integrating all that, you know, the skill and the the four check together in, in a way that creates an identity for the for the Rangers. Like that was a big conversation. The Rangers were lacking in an identity. If they could find a way to get all their RFAs and UFAs signed, re-signed, Lafreniere, Mott, Keandre Miller, and they still have enough cap space to get like a money ball player, then they got it. They have to they have to do that. You cannot just rely on Will Cooley and Brennan Hoffman. You can't yeah. do that. We don't know what they're capable of. And Knobloch has said this, like the yo-yo effect on, on players. That's the biggest thing in, you know, hampering or hindering a player's development is going yeah. up too soon and coming down too soon, you know, or too late or whatever. Like that's, that's not what you need to have to happen, right? You need to have patience, which is what the Rangers don't have. But you have to buy into, I think the biggest thing the Rangers need to create an identity next year. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what, I think that's what Gallant lacked, is that identity. Um, They, like, it seemed that way in the playoffs that, and I and, and Greg Kaplan and Ryan Mead on Blue Shirts Breakaway said this, like, or not, no, not even them. I think it might have been, who was, I, I forget who it was. Someone said this, but it's like, it seemed like it was just stars playing for themselves. Like it didn't seem like they were meshing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that really was what the downfall of the team was. They weren't meshing well, for some reason. I mean, in games one and two, it looked like, you know, that was like, wow, like this team is going to win the cup. And it did look like they were meshing. And then you look at games three, four, five, and seven, and it's like, okay, where'd that go? There wasn't any consistency with Gallant's identity, I don't think, and and that's what I. That's obviously why him and, and Drury got into that argument as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the change from two game two to three. I'll keep saying this: the Devils started playing all their guys back, and the Rangers just refused to. Whether it was Gallant or the players, I don't know who it was. They just did not buy into that to the way they needed to play. Very simple. Get it in deep, make them make the mistakes. That's it. Yeah, because you know? that's why they didn't. Te- that's why they didn't test the goalie. That's why Schmidt had a, an yep. easy time because yep. they didn't have the puck. And then they look kept what making ha- stupid turnovers, forcing plays that weren't there, and you know the Devils counterattack, and that was their mm-hmm. bread and butter. You played right into their strength. And in, and in, in game four, when Trocheck, the goal Trocheck had in game four was how they needed to play against Schmidt. Exactly. That rebound, like, like that was literally perfect. That was literally the perfect example of how they need to play against Schmidt. And once they, and once that happened, I was like, oh my God, I think, I think it's going to click for them. Obviously they went on to lose. Th- that's like, that's really what they needed. They needed to, and that's what the Canes did well. The Canes shot from everywhere. That's, well, that's, that's their kind of, identity. Yeah, that's, that's their they identity. Are, they the shoot team. from everywhere. The Rangers have a lot of shooters on their team. So, and they have, you know, the Chris Kreider who will get in dirty and get those rebounds. Trocheck rebounds. That's what they need. They needed Panarin's advantage to shoot, 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 shoot. 
and get and Chris Kreider and and Trocheck to get in there, but they just they couldn't because they couldn't they just couldn't make that play because they were trying too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which sucks. um we'll go we'll go back to Laviolette. I have some some numbers here from Laviolette's first three seasons with the Predators from 2014-15 to 2016-17. That last year was the year they went to the finals. Uh, they were actually very, very good five-on-five team. So in that, from from those three years, uh, the Predators ranked second in the NHL in five-on-five, four C four percentage. That's shot attempts, and Fenwick four percentage. That's unblocked shot attempts. They were third in shots for, expected goals for, and scoring chances for. The Rangers are nowhere near, have been nowhere near close to fifty percent or like top 10 in the league, you know, in the, in those analytics, like ever, ever first 15 games was like of this season. That's where they were. That was like the first time in a long time that they've and ever. Actually, I think since they started tracking the stuff that they were up there, you have to be good at, at even strength play. Right. So I know Laviolette's a retread, but if he could get his players to buy in to a style that works for them. I'm in. I'm in. You know, like if the, if he could mix, if he could mix like the the four checking, and put the right players in the right spots. So like to me, I think Kreider and Trocheck should be things. I think Kreider and Trocheck play the same style. I think they would be great third yeah, line. Yeah, they worked well together. Be a nightmare for defense for for opposing teams. Not even in the playoffs in the regular season. If you have to go through on the first line Zibanejad, then the second line Panarin, and then your third line Kreider Trocheck. That's deep, man. That's deep, right? Like I know Kreider has put together like I think it's eighty-eight goals in the past two seasons, which is nuts. Uh, I think the best the best thing is you know doing doing that, splitting it up a little bit, and he will get his time. Believe me, when the Rangers get power plays, he will be on power play one. It's not like, oh, third line, he's only getting 12 minutes. If all the lines, I've always said this on this show, if all the lines play the way they need to play, they play ideally, then everyone's going to get time. Everybody will get at least 10 minutes, 10, 12, 13 minutes, right? That's how it's got to be. You shouldn't have to rely on one line for 25 minutes of the game. That's how David Quinn did it his, his first couple games as, as uh, in the 2019-20 season. He played like Zibanejad had 25 minutes in a game that didn't go to overtime. I remember that. But... If you balance out the lines, then it makes everything better. Everybody's scoring. That's how you avoid hot streaks and stuff like that, hot and cold streaks. You want to stay consistent throughout the entire season. And that's what and that's what Galan did, you know, when he put Heedle, who was a Heedle, Trocheck, no, Heedle, Trocheck, Zabanajad, Kreider, and Fox on the power play one unit. And it was working great. And then he had, you know, Panarin. He balanced out those those power play lines. And look how that worked out. They were so much better than when they had, you know, Panarin, Zabanjic, Kreider, Kane, and and um, and Fox. And it, like you said, it's balance. Like, put – I think they should really try putting Panarin with Heedle. Because I, I think, think that I think that would work that. out great. I think they would complement each other. Yeah, I've – They've they've taken a couple shifts together here and there, and they've looked pretty good. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, I'm sure Peter wouldn't mind doing that. I know Panarin is very picky though with 
who his line mates are. So, but then again, if they go back with the same line combinations that they started last season with for the first 15 games, that might work as well. It wouldn't be what I said about, you know, Kreider Trocek, but it would still, I think it would get the job done. That's assuming that you get, you know, those cheap players in free agency that you could afford under your cap. So if they could do that, then by all means, do those do those line combinations from the first 15 games this year. But if if you can't, you have to rely on on that, you know, like Will Cooley, which I'm hoping it doesn't come to. Nothing against Will Cooley. I just, I, I think the Rangers need more effective established players in their bottom six. Like if they keep VZ, Goudreau, and Mott together, that's fine. That's a good fourth line. I'm not, I have no problems with that. But if they could, if they could get better compliments on that third line so that they don't have to rely on the kid line. Because they know, you know, Tarasenko's not coming back. No, he's, he's getting the bag. He's getting the bag. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's obviously pretty evident. I wish he would come back, but he's not. Someone's going to throw like $5 million at him. Yeah. He's, and he's at a point in his career where he's, he has every reason to ask for everything. You know? Like, why shouldn't he go out and get a, a long term contract? Why should he take less money to stay in New York? I mean, maybe because, you know, his family is happy, which I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. But at the end of the day, he's got to do what's best for him. So he's not going to take a league minimum contract to come back to the Rangers. Patrick Kane, maybe. But even him, if he comes back healthy next year, then who knows? Maybe the sky is the limit for him because he, on a busted hip, he played fairly well in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's it, it's hard because I, I feel like this, you know, this this class isn't, you know, this free agency class is a very like I really don't even know who's going to be in it. Yeah. And know, not that good. Yeah. And the Rangers really don't have any money. And if they want money, I mean, they're going to have to trade Goudreau, which I mean, I, I, I really do like him. But, yeah, his contract is kind of, you know. We know what his contract is, you know, so it's 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 so hard to like. I mean, they're really probably going to have to rely on Cooley and, and Offman, which really sucks because you want those two to develop as much as they can. I mean, I don't know if, you know, Cooley's not going to be like a top six player in the NHL, but you want him to develop and same with Offman. And it's so hard because I don't think you're, I think you're going to have to you're going to have to rely on them. Mm-hmm. And that's just—I don't know if that's gonna work out for the Rangers. I really don't. Because they're not. Again, it goes back to what I was saying before. They're not patient enough. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, there, there, there will be guys available. Believe me, there will be guys available. Like, there will be your Dryden Hunts in this free agency. You just got to find them. You got to know what to spend on them you can't you can't throw the entire bag like every general manager does for fourth line grinders every single free agency you know you can't do that they don't have the cap space and chris jury's got to really really negotiate with lafreniere and miller yeah he's got to do some heavy lifting there lafreniere i think he could get his his asking price down miller miller's gonna be tough that will be tough 
I think what he could use is his weak performance in the playoffs to drive that that asking price down. Yeah. The problem is I talked about it last week with uh, some some of my friends is like if you bridge him, if you bridge Miller and bring him right to unrestricted free agency and he wants out, then that's it. No, he goes to unrestricted free agency and you lose him for nothing. Unless you trade him in, you know, at the deadline of that last year. So can you work out a deal where it's where it's sort of in in between like a Shesterkin contract? Can you do that? Where it's so, sort of an investment, but also like in that bridge range, like four year, five year deal. Right? Yeah. Like the, the cap is not going up. I don't think the cap is going up anything other than one million dollars. Yeah, I agree. So I don't think those rumors are are I don't I don't believe them. Like you like you know what I'm talking about, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. There's I know. rumors like, oh, maybe the players could agree with the league to to raise it higher if they know four games. I know some of the owner I, I I'm pretty sure it's Dolan, obviously him. I think some of the owners are also saying, like, can you at least do like three point five million? But I don't know. That's probably not going to happen. Like, I mean, yeah, it's really going. It's going to go up one million. And I think the Rangers have eleven million in cap space. So, like you said, you got to give it to Lafreniere, and he's probably going to. I don't know if he's going to get what Kako got because I don't think he's as, as strong as a player as Kako at this point in his career. Miller, like you said, yeah, they could probably talk about you know his weakness, his last you know his last couple months of the year, his playoffs. But I don't know if that, like, I don't know if bridging him would be the right idea because, like you said, he'd be a UFA at the end of it. It's like you want to keep a player like Miller. Like, you really don't find those tall defensemen, those tall defensemen who can skate as well as him and are fast. It's really, like, it's super rare in the NHL, and you obviously know that as well. Yeah, like it's, I, I just hope he doesn't turn into, like, a like defenseman the Rangers have had in the past, talented offensive defensemen like Delzato and Shea, where it blows up. I yeah. don't think it will happen with Miller. He is far and away better than those two guys everywhere, like that we've seen the Rangers play. No one, I don't think I've ever seen a defenseman as athletic as, as DeAndre Miller. Yeah, right? and he's six four. I mean, he's just—it's—it's it's really rare in the NHL to find a, a defenseman like that who's six four, who's athletic as athletically gifted as he is. Like it's—it's—it really is rare, and obviously you know that too. Like, I, I kind of point out the obvious, but, like, they really can't lose a player like him. Mm-hmm. It's like a cheat code for, with, like, two-on-ones having him. Like, in two strides, he's already caught up with, with like, the, the odd man rush or whatever. Or if yeah. it's, like, a breakaway. A couple strides, he's caught up to the guy. That's insane. You can't just give up on that. Like, I understand he has his faults defensively, but that's a useful tool to have. And if you can't afford him... Then I mean, you gotta, you gotta get as but many assets back for him as you can. You gotta yeah. get stuff that could actually help the team right now. And I don't think Jury would be, would, would get any like futures. I think he would, would look for, you know, present pieces. Yeah, he would look for someone right now that would help the team right now because that's obviously what they need. Like obviously, you know, you're losing Trocheck, not Trocheck. Sorry, Tarasenko and Kane. Your your what your right wing depth is nothing. Up Kako, so it's like you're he's probably gonna look for another right winger for Miller, but I don't think he, obviously we don't think he's gonna trade Miller. But if he did, yeah, he's getting someone right now. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that's also another thing, like the position. It, is Lafreniere going to play the right side? Who's going to play the right side? There's too many left wingers on the on the team, right? You know, that's an it's an interesting question. I think I think uh, Lafreniere is able should be able to. Any of them should be able to play the right side, but Lafreniere, if he has to do it to crack the top six, then he's got to work on it. I yeah. don't know what he's doing in the offseason so far. I don't know how he's training or whatever. I hope he's putting in heavy work in the gym or something like that. I hope he's, you know, really, really spending time on working on his game because I hope he brings the best possible version of himself to camp in the in the September. Yeah, I, I think Lafreniere is kind of like the odd man out for playing right wing. Like, I, you can't move Pinner. I don't know if you could move Pinner off the right wing. I mean, to the right wing, off the left, to the right. Kreider, you know, obviously the left winger. And I think Lafreniere worked well. We were talking about this. I think Lafreniere works well with Panarin on that right side. And, you know, obviously one thing – but one thing that we have with Lafreniere is his skating. And I think when you look at players like Jack Hughes, McKinnon, uh, McDavid, obviously, no, those are, like, completely different. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply different players in Lafreniere but they bring speed and speed is a huge game is I think speed and skating is the most important thing in an NHL four because if you have speed and you can skate well it's going to take you a long way I think Mm -hmm. and that's the biggest part that's the biggest weakness in Lafreniere's game is his is his he can't when he's going on a uh, – it was kind of prevalent in the playoffs. You know, he can't get around those defensemen when he's on a two-on-two. It's it's hard for it's, – it's just he's not a good skater. It, it You can just see it, and that's really what he needs to work on. And I think if he is, hopefully he is, if he works on that and he can play – he's going to play very well with Panarin because I think Panarin needs that speed guy with him because Panarin's obviously, you know, not that fast of a skater. And, I mean, obviously, I think that's what the Rangers need in general is that speed because I think that's what they lack. Yeah, they don't – far far gone from the 14-15 Rangers that were so damn fast. You know, those were the teams that were – that was the bread and butter of the team. That was the identity of the team, the offense at least, the speed. And the Rangers, I don't think they have enough of that. I agree with you. So I don't know, like, which players are the fastest – in free agency, but they got to go in the free agency route. They have to, they have to make it, you know, get a couple guys. They're gonna have to get like two guys to fill up, fill in the line up there. That will work out, and it's yeah. gonna have to be bargain. It's a, it's a tall ask, but you know, it's either that or rely on someone that's really hasn't played in the NHL before. And you know, the Rangers are definitely gonna be willing to, would rather go a free agency route. We've seen them do it in the past before. You know, they've they they pulled the plug on on younger guys 
too quickly in the past before. So uh, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they get like two, maybe three guys if they could fit them in on like league minimum contracts. Uh, like a Jimmy Vesey, like coming on a PTO. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't think Jimmy Vesey was going to crack the, the roster, and he did. Nope. And then he got an extension. Like something like that, I think would be would be good for them. Obviously, maybe a little bit better than Jimmy Vesey. Yeah, nor did like, I think Vesey would be effective. Like Vesey was good defensively. Yeah, he was forward, I, good penalty I, killer. Very, very useful player to have on the lineup. He wasn't like a, you know, he wasn't like a detriment to the team. He wasn't McKegg or Carpenter. Yeah. Right? He was that he was that bottom six guy who could come up into the top six if needed. And he would help like I mean he, he worked well with Panarin, I thought. Like he would get those gritty goals out of the corner. I mean those gritty pucks out of the corner and help set up Panarin. And I think that's why they really like that's I think that's why they liked VC and I think that's why they got him again. I think maybe they didn't think he'd be as good as he was, but he was that defensive defensively reliable skater on on Panarin's line that really helped him in the short time they kind of well, I I want to say short they, time. They, dude, they need someone to get results though. Like that's why Foss yeah. was good. Like it's, you know, he, exactly. he would never get over 40 points, but he would still chip in like with 15 goals. Yeah. Right? Like Hunt and and VZ were, you know, they they didn't do as much, right? They didn't get they weren't getting 15 goals. They had their hot streaks. Like they would, like I remember Dryan Hunt when he first started playing with Panarin. You know, how many? I feel like he scored like five goals in like four, three or four or five games, and but then he got cold. Then he just you know it didn't work out. VZ was kind of the same way, and then obviously he went down to the fourth the fourth line. He played really well, um, but yeah, like like Jesper Fast. That's exactly who kind of the type of player the Rangers need is Jesper Foss. Like he, Mm -hmm. when he played with Panarin, that was Panarin's best year as a Ranger. Like, I mean, should have won the heart that year. And I I won't get into that, but I mean, I could argue that for hours. Should have won the heart that year. I mean, he, it looked like, you know, Panarin was, he was just on the top of his game. What do you get? 95 points, 96 points. Like he was on fire. Obviously, they let him go because they didn't want to give him that third, Fosh that third year, which sucks. But that's exact, like ex- the exact type of player they need. Someone mm-hmm. who can get those that he can reach forty points. It it'll be forty points. It won't be you know like anything special, but he's gonna chip in fifteen goals a year. Mm-hmm. The difference between Hunt and Fost is that Fost is a guy that truly could play all over the lineup. Hunt is a guy that should be a dedicated fourth liner because if yeah. you look at you know the first few games as a Ranger on the fourth line, he always had the puck, always he dominated possession. The fourth line dominated possession. Like I know the analytics might say otherwise, but if you watch the games, I remember they always had it, and it's better it's better when you have the puck in their end than in your end. So that's what the Rangers need to do too. This is what we were talking about last week as well on the show is that they need dedicated fourth liners. They cannot afford to promote these guys that need to be in the bottom six roles into the top six because the kids aren't producing. Again, the theme of the episode, you need to have patience. It's got to come in in one way or another. It has to. Like, you have to rely on Kako to finish. He gets so many chances. He draws way too many penalties to take him out of the top six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? you got to keep yeah. him there. you got to let him find his way to getting pucks in the back of the net. It might be a struggle for, for a while, but 
You have to let him ride or die. You have to. You have no other option. You cannot put Barkley Goodrow in front of him, in yep. place of him. It's not the same. You're not, yeah, exactly. Like you said, you're not getting the same production, and you're not getting even nearly as much as five on five v five as you can get from Kako. Right. Look, Kako. I mean, man, this year he. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said the yo-yo effect, like what you said with Knobloch. It's the yo-yo effect. You can't keep yo-yoing players. Like you have to let them get settled. You have to let them learn chemistry with their like with their with their line mates. Like Kako, you can't just put them on the line for three games and say, "Oh, you know what? It's not working." It's a three-game sample size. Like, and it, you're gonna have when you first are get, getting chemistry with somebody, you're gonna have those down days. You're gonna have maybe you're not gonna score a goal a game or something. You're not gonna score a goal or something. You're not gonna get points in a game, but you have to let them get chemistry because all of a sudden maybe they score. Two Kako's getting those two goals a game, or he's assisting Kreider and Zabanajan on 5v5 or something like that. Like, you can't just keep yo yoing these players and then saying, okay, you know what? We're going to put Barkley Goodrow up there. You can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. one, you're hurting your fourth line because obviously Barkley Goodrow is that is much better on the fourth line with Mott and VZ, but also you're hurting, you're hurting Kako's game. I mean, it really also goes with confidence. Like, how can a player get confident in his game if you're yo-yoing him and you're moving him up and down the lineup every single game? Mm-hmm. He can't. He's never gonna establish. He's never gonna establish confidence. And that's obviously I'm gonna go with to coaching here. That's kind of what went wrong with Gallant and 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 Quinn. As soon as you know something went wrong, oh, you know what? Well, you're demoted. You're benched. And you can't do that with the young players. You like that is literally the worst thing for a young player to be is fair, being yo yoed. To be fair, I will say that Gallant did have his moments where he did let Kako redeem himself. Yes, plenty of times like that game against the Islanders. Game. Yes, exactly. And it goes beyond that too. Like there was a few more too. And and Kako like redeemed himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like where he put together a couple shifts, he would draw a penalty here and there, maybe score a goal. Right, like that's that's something that that needs to be there. I almost treat it like, remember, not this past season, the season before, Julian Gauthier, when he played, mm. I always liked him, Me right, too. because he would get chances, he would do things that he was a unique player. He would do things no one else on the roster would do. Dip his shoulder, go around the the defender. He was able to do that. He had the speed and the size to do that. He was a good four checker. Right, he created opportunity after opportunity. He just could not finish in his first, that first, uh, a couple of years ago. Right, not this past season, the season before, like I said. Yeah. Then this season, he starts finishing more, and he gets like six, seven goals, maybe. Right. Kako is in like that same spot where he gets more time, ice time than Goche, significantly more ice time. Like Goche was like eight to ten minutes. Kako this year, maybe like 15 minutes, right? Um, if I had to, if I had to guess, I don't have the numbers out in front of me, but my point still remains. Like if Kako could have next year what Goche did this year in terms of finishing ability, then Kako will be a very, very good player. This will be his best season. Yeah, the and- opportunities that guy has had this season, and like is 
uh, amazing. Like glorious, glorious opportunities, post after post. You know, like just a little bit off. Where if he made one little minor adjustment, pucks in the back of the net. Yeah. One little minor adjustment. It's just like it's just like one run game, like in baseball. And we'll transition into that in a second. But I was I was listening to it uh, yesterday. Marlins lost were like had like the worst record last year in one run games. This year they're one of the best teams. They lost like forty gate one run games last year. Little little adjustments, right? If you can make those little those little fixes, those little tweaks for next year, you could be so much better, so much better. Yeah, and I think what also with with Kako is you know he he has those like chan- he has those chances but then you know he, he makes that one little move or that little pat or, the, or a pass that you know if he just shot the puck yeah like he, he holds on to it too long yeah, yeah he holds on to it too long and i think that's one of his other you know his other um uh is we- one of his weaknesses but i mean listen like i know we always say you know kako and power play time but he i mean really all of his points came at even strength this year maybe like a couple on the power play they really he really didn't get any power play time at all none of them did and he still put up 40 points like if you give him like power play one time or you balance out your lineup where you can put like you can have a minute with power play one and then a minute with power play two but they're balanced so it's like not everyone is just your best players are just crammed on to power play one it's going to take him a long way he might put up like maybe I don't want to say 60 points because maybe you know that maybe like 50 points. Maybe he'll have like 10 points on the power play or something. Maybe he'll have like 55 points. And that was that's a good season from him. Like that's what you want out of your players. That's what you want out of well, maybe you want more a little bit more out of a guy like Kako, but um, you know, that's that's what Kako needs. He needs Kako to, you know, had three power play assists this year. Those are his only three points on the power play. So he had Everything 37 else points at 5v5. Who led, do you know who led the Rangers in 5v5? Mm, interesting question. Interesting. Uh, give me one second. I'm on uh, hockeyreference.com. Yeah, my, my my computer froze like 15 minutes ago, so I'm I'm. Yeah, a so this stuck. is a this is a good question though. This is, this is a good question. Uh, let's see. Come on. Because I don't. Thirty the thirty-seven points at five v five, like that's pretty good for him. Like that's right. and I don't I he might have been close to the top of the Rangers. Like thirty-seven points on the power play. You say he adds like I mean 30, 37 points at five v five. My apologies. If you uh-huh. let's say if you add uh I mean twenty point that's I if he said if he gets twenty points on the power play somehow. That's 60 points. Like, that's what we all wanted out of him when in his second year when he struggled his first or last year when he struggled in this when he struggled in his second as well. You wanted that 60 point that 60 point season from him. Yeah, like this this 40 point season is more like it for sure. Yeah, yeah. And Uh, he's going to if he gets more power play time, he's going to add even more points. So that's I mean. I didn't even realize consistent power play time, though, like not like second unit. It's got to be first unit. It needs to right. be like they need to do how it was. They need to do a, have a power play how it was like with Gallant when they when it was Hedel, it was Hedel's Abanajed, Trocheck, no, no, Tarasenko, Kreider, and Fox. Obviously, Fox that was, was more always, balanced. Yeah, that was balanced. Abanajed in the left dot. 
Exactly. And then and then you have, you know, Panarin, Trocek. I think it was Lafreniere, Fox, or Truba, one of those two. I would put I think it was Fox most of the time was, you know, QB'd both. And then who and then Kane. And you balance it out. You didn't have a top heavy power play. You didn't have it wasn't every single all two minutes we're going to the power play one unit and then thirty and then like maybe like now minute and thirty to the first line 30 seconds to power play two no you are balancing it out it was a minute in a minute like that's what the rangers need because then you can oh you open up time for the kids uh panarin led the rangers in even strength points pretty sure okay. he had you know 56 where... oh wow where was yeah. kako kako had um i don't have like a ranking here okay it's because it, i have to like add up yeah uh, but he kako had yeah, so 37 even strength points. Uh, Banachad had 50 even strength points. Uh, 29 and uh, 11 is 40 for Fox. 34 and 13 is 47 for Trocek. Uh, Kreider, 37. Or 35, sorry. Uh, 51. Wait. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to like, no, Heedle didn't have 51 points. It's... uh. Uh, 40 points for Heedle, even strength. Wow. Wow. 40 points for Heedle at even strength. Yeah. That's only five power play points. Again, like, very, very easy. You give them power play time, consistent power play time. You're going to take the points away from, like, one of those players that, that has those points. But if you give them that time, even if, maybe if you use power play two more, like, start with power play two. Start with power play two instead of instead of just use power play one every single time. Yeah, right? that, you know that's something I, I also don't like about the Rangers. They don't like you know teams will go with they'll start they'll mix up who they start with, but the Rangers don't. They never do that. It's like mm-hmm. you gotta give your you gotta give your kids time on the power play. It's like three three power play points to Kako. Out of 37 out of 40, which so 37 even strength points, and then 40 even strength points for Heedle. Imagine what they could do if they had consistent power play time. How many points they'd have? Like Trocek didn't have that many power play points this year. He only had 17. So if you replace him with Heedle, that's fine. Trocek could kill penalties and play power play too. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. It's horrible he's, either. It's like he's still getting time. Maybe it's not. It, he. It's like when people, when you know, when you put Kreider down the third line, people are like, oh, they're demoting him. It's not a demotion. He's still getting power play one. He's still getting power play one time. He's still getting about twenty minutes a night. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a demotion. Obviously, it's just letting your kids having more of an opportunity because they're better players. And like to my point about replacing Heedle or replacing Trocheck with Heedle, uh, Rangers like to do this thing with the two centers, right? Zabanajad and Trocheck, or and in the past Zabanajad and Strom. Like you don't have to do that, right? Yeah. You can split up the centers, right? So if you put Heedle there, you could use him on the right side, or if you if you want to put Panarin there, then you could use Heedle in the middle. Kako in the middle, whatever. I know Kako when he played for Finland, he played on the right side, the right dot. You know? so I don't know. I don't know how you could figure could figure that. There's 
there's a number of options, but yeah, there's a lot you going can do. with the, the stuff that, that, that was, that you've relied on for, for too long, you know? Yeah. Like that's, you cannot just keep relying on that because it's not, it's not, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. Right. Got to split it up a little bit. Hopefully we, a new, hopefully getting a new coach is just new eyes and like a different perspective. Like, Oh, I see this guy. It looks really good. Let me, you, let me try him out here instead. Instead of like the same, you know, just copy paste. Let's just use this over here. Yeah. And you know, when, when, when Gallant came, he just copy and pasted the same power play that, that yes. Quinn did. Yes. It but it worked. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked. worked. I don't blame worked. him. I yeah. don't blame him. It was, no, that power it was play the worked. best power play the Rangers had. But yeah, like now it wasn't as successful. This exactly. Year. You, you didn't, you went through hot streaks and then you had those oaf. What did they go in the playoffs? Teams one and two, they were like four for something, and then they were zero for like seventeen before game six when they yeah. when Kreider tipped in that power play yep. goal, and yep. they didn't change anything really. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you were still going with those guys, even though it didn't work, and you were zero for on the power play. So I agree. Hopefully, a new coach comes in and says, "You know what? I see. Oh, I see Kako, who has a hard shot." Put him on the right side of power play one. Balance it out. Heedle. I see, right. you know, maybe he could work in the bumper. Put him there. Balance out your lines. A minute and a minute to both units. Maybe we mix and match. Maybe, you know, we put the power play two unit on first. Maybe, you know, something like that. Like, you, uh, yeah. it's Right, like the, someone like LaViolette, anybody, any, it could be anyone, any coach. Even, even John Hines, like, could come in and see, like, oh, this Kako kid is great. Let me use him. It, that's all it takes. Just a new set of eyes. Yep. Like you're looking at a problem for too long and, you know, you ask for help from somebody and they're like, in five seconds, they're like, oh, yeah, why don't you just do this? And it's like, oh, wow, that's great. That, maybe maybe that's the same idea the Rangers could use here. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a hockey player. <laughs> I'm not a coach, but maybe, hopefully. Hopefully that would work out. It sounds I think, promising. I I think the from us talking about it, it sounds promising to me. Not gonna yeah. lie. All right, we'll transition into the changeup portion of the Ice Cold Take podcast, which is our baseball segment here. So the changeup is sponsored by Righteous Felon. Go to righteousfelon.com and use promo code OCSN to get fifteen percent off your favorite flavors of beef jerky. Perfect time. To buy your father a craft bundle jerky uh, gift, which is what I did. Whole bunch of beef jerky flavors in there. There's beef jerky sticks. Uh, definitely go check out RighteousFelon.com. Those guys are awesome. All right, anyways, baseball talk. Uh, Mets and Yankees. I don't know how the Yankees rec- what the Yankees record is, but the Mets uh, rough series this weekend in in Colorado. Uh, I feel like every time. Every time the Mets play in Colorado, it's always like, like a ten to twelve game or something like that, or like seventeen to five, or you know some high scoring albatross number. It, yeah, it's always high scoring Colorado because you know that's that that's the home run, that's the hitter friendly park right there. Yeah. You want you want a five hundred foot home run? Colorado's a place didn't, for you. Didn't Stanton hit one like five hundred feet or something like that in Colorado when he was on like the the Marlins? It was like to the concourse. He probably did. I mean, oh my God, Marlon's stand was different. Yeah, he probably did. I mean, he. I'm trying to think. 
Uh, probably can't, I can't think about it off the top of my head. If I looked it up, probably. I mean, he probably did. It's Giancarlo staying on the Marlins was crazy. But yeah, it's always. I didn't. Did, what, what did y'all get swept there, or did y'all? We we took the first of the series and on Friday. So, yeah, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday, we lost. So I think Sunday's game was an eleven to ten final. <laughs> <laughs> the the Yankees not... have been. They've been. I mean, they haven't played in Colorado yet, but they've been playing pretty well recently. They're six and four in the last ten. They're that 30... division's still crazy. Like oh, every team is five hundred. Every team 500. is over five hundred. Obviously, you know, like the Blue Jays are two games over five hundred, and the Red Sox are one game over five hundred. So it's like they're they're cooling down a little bit. But like, you know, the the Rays 40, 40 and eighteen, Orioles thirty five and twenty one, Yankees thirty four and twenty four. The Yankees have been playing very well. The offense didn't come out to play yesterday, which kind of sucked. They lost in 10, one nothing, which was horrible. But I mean, they looked good over the past couple of weeks. And they had a rough couple, they had a rough start. But Aaron Judge, I think he's winning back to back MVPs. That's just me. Mm-hmm. He looks um, good. Yeah. And the Orioles is crazy. Like <sighs> again, we go back to that patience thing that we're saying. However many years, how many years have they sucked? Have they been the laughing stock of baseball? Right, let's see, and 2017. Yeah. 18. 19, 20, 21, and tw- so that was five years. Five years that they that they were the laughing stock of the league, right? And now good look for at them that. to be co- being competitive there. You know, look at right? them. The- Rutschman, Adley Rutschman, uh, Mullins. Yeah, they got some good players there. Gunnar Henderson, players. they do. Yeah. Santander, they're a good team. I can't even hate them. They're like they're a good team. But they're not cocky. It's not like the Blue Jays. Like the Blue Jays, when they started playing well, it was like, oh, yeah, this is the trailer. Now you'll see the movie. But the, the Orioles are like, they're just there for the vibes. They're like yeah, the vibes good. team. They're like the all-vibes team. Yeah. I feel I feel like the Marlins will be good soon, too. I mean, that's coming from a, from like an NL East team. Like the Marlins are the NL East version of uh, the Orioles. I hope uh, they – I really hope they do. They've the been... guy they got from the Twins is out, outstanding. Like that, Arias? Arise, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that first that was series a good trade. played against the Marlins, like that was outstanding. He put on a clinic. Like, he's, that was he's, that guy's a hitting machine. Yeah, he's he is flash hitter, hit it all machine. over the ballpark, left center, right center, up the middle. He pulled, he sliced it, everything, everything. Yeah, he was great. I was I was a little shocked that they actually traded JJ Blade and that they included JJ Blade in that packet. No wait, he went to the A's. Uh, Pablo was, yeah. Lopez. It was Pablo Lopez. I don't know why I thought Blade went to the Twins as well. That's the yeah. thing, though. When you build from a position of strength, like if you keep adding stockpiling to one position, you know you have you have a want, right? Is the mm-hmm. you need a hitter? You need a hitter. Exactly. Marlon they clearly lacked offense. Said they traded from a position of strength to address an area of exactly. That was I mean, they had good pitchers. They got Luzardo. Luzardo. Obviously, all, all um, all contra, contra, yeah, all he's, contra. he's yeah, he's great. Um, uh, I think it's what's his name, Rogers, Taylor, yeah, Taylor Rogers. He's good, that lefty. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a position of strength for the oh, Sixto Sanchez, yeah, when yep. it was, yeah, Sixto Sanchez at um, Eduardo Cabrera. That was obviously their strength, and then they traded Pablo Lopez and. I mean, the Marlins are 20. I didn't even know they, they were two games above 500. I mean, like 29, 29 and 27. You, I mean, you look at it and you're like, oh, I mean, is that really that good? But you're like, for the that Marlins, great. for the Marlins, that's, that's awesome. And another yeah, team that was patient, the um, 
the the Diamondbacks, they're 33 and 23. Oh wow. I didn't even know that. I was watching MLB Network today, and, and they had Miguel Castro on, former Yankee legend, last year. Yeah, and yeah, they were 33-23, and 23, and they're a half game behind the, the, the Dodgers. I was like, are you serious? Like, I was I was shocked. Miguel Castro, who also played for the Mets. Yeah, I remember that. I think we – oh, we it traded was Castro Joel Rodriguez. for Joel Rodriguez, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Rodriguez played – yeah, he, he was the, for the Mets last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> we got him with Joey Gallo. He was, he was meh. Yeah, not. Uh, yeah, wasn't anything special. But yeah, I was. I was like, it, patience in the MLB goes a very long way. But obviously, you have to be a little more patient because, you know, you have the minor leagues. So sports, I feel like it's more excruciating too because the season's so damn long. It's 162 games, and if like you're a fan, that's five years of losing 162 games. Which is nuts, um, but yeah, like the the you know the Mets are, are playing the Phillies right now. Uh, it's four two in the top of the seven, so uh, oh they're going for that sweep there. That's good for them. Y'all need yeah. that a yeah. lot. Speaking of former Mets Mets players that were Yankees, Gary Sanchez, or as Gary Cohen called, I didn't even know this is how you pronounce it. Gary Sanchez, yeah, was yeah. Uh, just playing. We just got cut from the Mets. Uh, and he actually hit a home run for the – he got picked up by the Padres. And he <laughs> I saw home that run yesterday against the Marlins. The one run they scored against the Marlins yesterday was a Gary Sanchez home run. Yeah. I don't know what the Mets were thinking, you know, with him there. Like, maybe because just Dito and Narvaez were, were, were hurt uh, and they wanted to give Alvarez some rest. But they could not have seriously been thinking of keeping him and sending down – Alvarez, could they yeah. have been? <laughs> that would have been wild. Yeah, that would have been wild if kind you, of if you, that out. That would have been completely outrageous if you if you put if you sent down Alvarez for, and kept up Sanchez, and then they yeah, you DFA'd him, which was good. Right. That I was talking to you about before the show, like you know the Mets have a lot of players um, in like similar that played the same position, like Beatty and Vientos, and. Mauricio and Lindor or McDeal, uh, take your pick there, right? But Alvarez is clearly an upgrade over any catcher on this roster right now. So yeah. I don't know why that was even a conversation to begin with. Like, oh, let's send down, let's send down the guy who's clearly the, our best catcher, our best <laughs> option right now. Yeah, um, I mean, doesn't make any sense to me. No, uh, unfortunately, Joey, I do have to go somewhere now. I apologize for cutting my time here short. short. No um, problem, Will. You're but good, I, I, I really enjoy talking to the Rangers with you. I hope, Hopefully I can come on again soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get you on the show for sure, uh, maybe during the season. But anyways, yes. Ice Cold Takes fans, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.